everybody. Welcome to this edition of Project Next, the podcast for forward-focused marketers who want to find out what's next in the world of marketing and communications. I'm your host, Brian Martin. Today, we're talking about marketing technology, the role of programmatic marketplaces, and how AI is transforming that world. Joining us today is an entrepreneur who has founded a demand-side platform, or DSP, and a data company that specializes in delivering programmatic solutions in healthcare marketing. Chris Paquette is the CEO of Deep Intent, a healthcare advertising technology company which simplifies the way healthcare marketers plan, activate, and measure their digital campaigns. Welcome, Chris. Hey, Brian. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Chris, let's talk about the path that got you here. You graduated from Binghamton with a bioengineering degree, which is fascinating. You had a couple of early jobs that seemed to have given you a solid foundation. Tell us about how that progression went. Yeah, definitely pinballed between healthcare and advertising for my first couple jobs. Uh, as you mentioned, I got my degree in engineering. Um, basically, I, I thought of it as being kind of the best liberal arts degree you could have going into really? something I wanted to do, which was technology. And just by coincidence, my school offered a, a bioengineering degree. So that's where I started to get exposed to healthcare data and actually machine learning. I had a professor and actually a research advisor, Walker Land, who was fantastic and was really spearheading some of the uh, actually algorithm development for genetic microarrays. So we were analyzing that and coming up with different sorts of ways to classify risk of recurrence. Wow. Um, and this is back in my undergrad. So and then go figure I went to advertising, right? It's so unusual to have people who are learning that in school. I mean, it was a gift to have that and kind of a blessing in disguise because it, it definitely set the tone tenor for where I was going to go in my career. And, you know, I think as I graduated, I, you know, I got a job at, at Marketplace. I was working kind of in a business development role, which really wasn't anything to do with technology. And then huh. over a period of, you know, kind of a month or so after I first joined, they realized I could code. And so they kind of got, you know, one thing led to the next and I worked my way more into a product uh, role, which gave me really good breath and exposure on the business, the technology stack, sure, and really kind of piqued my interest in the technology in general. So then you went to Memorial Sloan Kettering. Yeah. So it, it was interesting. The opportunity presented itself for, to join MSK. Um, they were building out a data science team, which for you know, your listeners who know, it's kind of a, a center of centers, right? They all have, you know, each specialty has their own kind of unique way that they do things. Now, the actual team that I was on was the data solutions team. So we sat across the, all of the different specialties and centers in Memorial Sloan Kettering. So what was very fascinating, actually really interesting, was that you know, being part of this new data science team, we actually had access to federate all of this data across multiple different systems, you know, EHR systems, uh, clinical systems, genomic systems, lab tests. We had a whole host of data for the patients that you know, MSK serves, which wow. hundreds of thousands of patients. What a great place to be to see everything happening in, the, in an exciting space. Oh, for sure. And I mean, at that point, I had my data scientist hat on, right? So how do we take data across you know, very disparate data sets, federate them and, and combine them and basically clean them and get them into a form that then we could use for basically upstream applications for physicians, right? For providers, for clinical like admins, right? And operators of the hospital. So wrestling the data and getting into a single mastered form was the first step I spent a lot of time on while I was there. 
And then ultimately from there, we, we started diving into really interesting types of applications. So we were doing things like scoring patients for the risk of falling off clinical pathways. Wow. So, you know, there was a specific program, it was a short term stay ambulatory type, you know, same day surgery, and you are treated as an outpatient. Got it. So we were trying to figure out which patients were the best to put on that. So when a patient presented themselves, you know, we actually would score them through this system and say, hey, this looks like a good candidate for the short stay surgery. And then, you know, we would put them on that pathway and they would be discharged same day right after their surgery. How did they do it in the old way? And how did your new solution change that? Right. So it was, it was actually left up to the provider. So the, the physician to make that determination. And actually through the data, we saw trends. And this is where we first used machine learning application Interesting. where we're able to actually prevent the amount of readmissions, basically build a system in a, a classifier that would say, you know, hey, this is a good person because we think that the likelihood of them coming back as a readmitted case is going to be low. So let's wow. put them on this pathway. And okay. the high risk, let's keep those back. And I'm sure your performance outdid how it was going before. Yeah, I mean, it was it was very accurate. I mean, we, we found, I think it was upwards of like 90% accurate in terms right. of just cost is one thing, but you look at kind of the patient experience. And so being able to make sure that, you know, the right patients are going on certain pathways, if we could help with that decision and support that decision, that's a win for me, right? Yeah. And so much of what's exciting and happening in technology and learning is happening in the healthcare industry yeah. because you've got those data sets and it is so important and it is life and death situations. Totally. And I think, you know, we were blessed at MSK because we had all that data, right? And being a huge institution, like I said, with hundreds of thousands of patients, if you think about it, having all that data in one place behind one firewall, right? And like being able to play with that, that's not really all that common in the healthcare space. So there's a ton of new technologies and new companies and startups that are out there right now, and some of whom we actually partner with at Deep Intent, that help us get the same level of data and actually stitch that data together to do those innovative use cases. Nice. And that you know, funnels right into our conversation about Deep Intent. So at some point you said, enough of Memorial Sloan Kettering, I'm going to go <laughs> off and do my own thing. I mean, the people there are some of the most inspiring people I've ever worked with and just the most passionate people about their job. They wanted to make a difference, you know, coming from an advertising space, right, where it was search advertising and not really passionate about any right. do good in the world, right? And then going, going, to, going to MSK, you know, it really was night and day. Um, so having that kind of background in the ad tech and then having the, you know, kind of health tech, if you will, um, right. at MSK was kind of that synthesis and fertile ground for deep intent. Interesting. Yeah. So when did you make the jump? So yeah, that was, you know, it was nights and weekends type project back in 2015. And then, yeah, sometime in, I think it was spring of 2016. It's hard to remember it anymore. <laughs> it seems like forever Decades ago. ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was around uh, spring or, or May of 2016 that we officially launched Deep Intent. And actually, you know, we started off kind of just building the tech itself. And the tech stack itself is huge. It's a huge kind of conglomerate of advertising technology and now it's healthcare data, so put together. So we needed some early ways to monetize it. So you know, actually, we took some of the ideas that and kind of thinking that we had at MSK, and we actually built out a generalized kind of contextual classification technology. Mm -hmm. Combining that with our programmatic technology that we built, we started selling in actually a ton of contextual campaigns. It's like finding people who are engaging with content on you know life insurance for MetLife. Right. Like, so like a lot of actually non-healthcare-ish type of clients, but we definitely moved into the healthcare space kind of 
very shortly right after our acquisition in 2017. Where we got into healthcare and kind of where everything kind of clicked for me was we had a campaign for BMS and it was to target physicians and to reach physicians that, you know, they were high prescribers of, of a drug that they were trying to promote. And I really started scratching my head. I'm like, how are we going to find physicians, right? Like, where are we going right. to, where are we going to find this like population or this group of like 5,000 high value, like, you know, people that we can go ahead and reach programmatically. So the, that's kind of when the wheel started turning and, and we started partnering with very, very specialized data providers sure. who actually been doing this in the email space for a while. Right. So, yeah. so even since then today, we're still collaborating with them and helping kind of explore this hypothesis that this data could be useful for reaching providers and, and influencing. So good for reaching providers. And now your focus has to be on reaching consumers or potential patients. patients. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a whole new part of our business that's coming out this quarter. So we've partnered with a couple different technologies and actually data providers who interact in, in the healthcare data exchange and ecosystem, where we have access now to about 70% of the U.S. insured population hmm. and uh, actually 80 to 90% of the U.S. pharmacy claims. Really? So what we do with that data is we take that, we bring it in-house, we de-identify it basically using the technologies I was mentioning in, in a process called tokenization, where it's impossible for us to actually identify these, you know, these users. Then once we have that in a way, kind of in a centralized area, we combine that data with a whole bunch of consumer demographic attributes. Right. So what we end up building, or actually the data set that we have, is we have a yes or no column for each condition that we're looking to find for patients. And then we have about 4,000 demographic attributes for each one of those patients. And now from that data, we can build a machine learning algorithm that tries to predict and model who has a condition or not. And then we take that model, we bring it back over to our DSP, right? And we deploy that. And now we can start scoring impressions based on demographic attributes. Like this is someone who's 65 to 75. They have this car, right? You know, they live in this area. How do we start to score and build a propensity for the likelihood of them having a disease? Right. So to do this, are you using first party data? And how are you getting people to provide that for you? Yeah, that's that's a very interesting question. I mean, for the provider side, I can answer that a lot more straightforward, right? So on the provider side, you know, our pharma clients or healthcare clients, they have lists of physicians that they want to target first party data, right? Based on behaviors and engagements with their own brands. So prescribing this drug or, you know, treating this type of patient, they actually provide or construct segments and clusters or personas, right? And then they push those into us. So in a way, we're taking our clients first party data matching it to our addressable physician ecosystem, 1.6 million physicians. And then we're connecting them on what's called an MPI number, so the National Provider ID. Okay. So because we now have all of these cookies and devices linked to a MPI, it makes it really easy and straightforward for us to take this offline data, including you know their prescribing behaviors and the diagnosing behaviors, and link those to devices that we can then market to. That's kind of the beginning of this whole wave. There's so much more data to access where you can get even more precise. Mm -hmm. Are you seeing a lot of movement along those lines or is it kind of plateaued? I mean, yes, there's always more data, right? It's growing exponentially. The ways and means of how you actually activate and use that data growing exponentially. There's a reason, you know, health tech is blowing up, right? There's a lot more startups who are now getting access and building solutions around it. For us personally, 
our clients are getting smarter, right? And they're starting to recognize and, and realize that programmatic is a tool that they can use to really efficiently reach that, you know, these really niche audiences. And they can do that in a very scaled way. You know, programmatic, our clients typically would go to a publisher or a journal or an event, right? And spend, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars, right? To, to put a promotion in a journal. And it's great, right? And, you know, obviously you have a circulation that, that journal reaches or that conference, you know, kind of attracts. And everybody knew a lot of it was wasted, but some of it was really useful. Exactly. So when you think about kind of what we've built with Market Match, you know, Market Match is intended to be that very scaled, easy plug and play solution for our clients. Hmm. And really what it is, it's an operating system. And Market Match for advertisers consists of a planner. So the ability for a client to take their first party data, that target list of physicians that they want to reach, onboard it within a couple seconds, instantaneously see all of the demographic, all of the clinical data, what they prescribe, who they treat, where they practice, Wow! see all this data within a matter of seconds, and then click a button to export that to our DSP, which is where we activate that data. Okay. Right. So that, now we can start to do the campaign. And the third solution, which we'll be building out in 2020, is a measurement solution. Really? So nice. being able to say, hey... I put a dollar here in this campaign. Did I make more of it than a dollar back out? Right. That is the holy grail. And that's the holy grail. Right. How are you matching up creative to, you can reach a person at the right time in the right way, mm -hmm. but how is the messaging coming through that's unique to that person? Yeah. So our partners, we partner with agencies, right? Mm -hmm. Creative agencies that, you know, that's their expertise. What we do is being kind of the pipes, we provide the ability for them to transact and select dynamically, you know, which creative and which message makes most sense for the physician that they're looking to reach. So that's great for advertisers, but the publishers I'm really interested in, like what's Market Match do for publishing? Sure. So as I just described, you know, we have this platform for advertisers, right? And traditionally in the marketing, you know, ecosystem and, and marketplace, you have buyers and sellers, you know, you have advertisers and publishers. So being is it that we're making a operating system, we're trying to simplify the way that these two parties connect. So by combining all these different assets together into this OS, we're trying to just basically facilitate a lot of these deals being done within a singular platform that's privacy safe. So Market Match for Publishers is kind of the natural extension of this platform. We're going to partner, and we are partnered with publishers today that are working with us to onboard and sell their inventory. So these are like usually very specific health endemic publishers. So sure. Very specialized, you know, typically provider-focused, you know, journals and you know, content. And what they do is they come to to us and they help us kind of tap into our client base. They come to us and say, "Hey, can you help me sell this, right? And can you do this in like a safe, privacy way? And then provide the buyers with all the tools that simplify my life because you know I don't want to necessarily have to run you know thirty-five different reports." with like six different pivots, right? right. For, for the same buyer, right? To get what they want. But as a patient, I value that because I'm getting good quality information and people that want to reach me for that condition are able to reach me very effectively. Sure. And I mean, there's a lot of value to endemic publishers, right? Like think about, 
let's say, you know, you stub your toe, right? And now you think your foot's going to fall off, right? <laughs> what are you going to do? You're, you're going to go on WebMD, you're going right? Right, to right. go, or, or Healthline, and you're going to search like, you know, stub toe, right? So, so and it, this is probably a terrible example, but, but <laughs> it's, not a, it's a much bigger audience than many other conditions, <laughs> for sure. Uh, but yeah, nonetheless, the the point still remains is that you're going to try and seek information first from the sites that present that specific type of information. Now, that's great, but then you know, are there other opportunities to reach that patient when they're off that site? You know, let's say they do go to the the doctor or the physician, and they get prescribed a drug. How do you make sure that they're going to adhere to that drug? Yeah. So basically, it's a lot of like adherence-based marketing, right? So again, we don't know exactly who's been on the drug, right? Who's who's off the drug, but if you target the people with those conditions, you can target in a certain way, right? That allows you to kind of you know just ping them and remind them, like, hey, Advair, right? You should take your Advair, right? Right. So in a way, like when you go to the doctor, right? What we're trying to influence is we're trying to influence that the doctor knows about the drug. Right. And knows all the great benefits and the side effects, maybe even the negatives about the drug. And the patient is aware of that being a potential solution so that when the doctor and the patient connect with each other inside that doctor's office, we get the pull through where the doctor thinks about prescribing that drug. The patient knows about that drug. And if that happens, typically the patient's going to go to the pharmacy. They're going to fill it because they believe that the drug is going to work. And so you're not actually involved in any way in the client patient conversation, Mm -hmm. you're just seeing the behavior that follows that. Well, we're trying to build the context, right? We're trying to kind of get them educated as this is a potential therapy for whatever condition that they have. Okay. And then what's called pull them through, right? We want to pull them through so that they actually go on treatment, right? And then they stay on treatment in a way that benefits them. Right. And that's interesting because then that data can go back to doctors if you can really track it accurately and help them understand how patients are actually using the drugs for that condition. Exactly. And that exact thought that you just had is not really being done well today. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you figure out where to take this operating system you've built? How do you figure out how to reinvent the next stage of what you're doing with it? I mean, that's obviously a very, very loaded question, right? (laughs) Um, At the end of the day as I've kind of been alluding to, our vision is to build a healthier population, right? And how do you do that? And we believe that media can really be the conduit and the channel as just one piece of that pie, but we believe it could be an effective piece. So we want to help basically drive better patient outcomes. And for that, you know, we really have to look at everything from the planning, the way we plan, the way we you know, execute and actually activate these media buys and then measure those buys, right? And then sync that up with things like creative, right? And enable the right tactics and right strategies that fit the objective of how we're going to actually drive to get to that better outcome. It's kind of taking the data and boiling up the insights that then kind of allow our our clients to get smarter with their investments. Are you concerned in any way with the growing nature of fake information, fake news, fake stories, mis? direction that could affect those patients and the outcomes in healthcare and world? That's a, yeah, I think just generally like fake news, fake information. In fact, back in, I think it was 2018, we released a a product called Verified Ads, Hmm. where for political ads, we would actually block them from entering our, our platform. Great. And we would actually mandate that there was certain political information, like campaign information assigned to those ads. So we had a system that would scan it, detect that this is a political ad, right? And then go ahead and 
you know, basically say you have to fill out this information before you traffic that on our platform. Hmm. Yeah. So it was Has Facebook tried to buy that from you. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they, they came out with their own system about, about a month later. So I think they read my, <laughs> they, they read my article, right? <laughs> uh, at least I hope, but no, I think more to the point of the patient side. Yeah. I mean, listen, there's a whole bunch of nefarious actors out there. The people that we really work with and we partner with are the really reputable publishers and the extremely reputable like pharmaceutical companies, right? And the healthcare systems. These are companies that have a vested interest in a healthier population. Yeah, it's super important in that space. Yes. So all the innovation that you're doing and things you're building out, what advice would you have for others who are looking to build out and establish new things in their spaces? What have you learned by that invention and reinvention process? Yeah. <laughs> Let me think about that for a second. <laughs> Go on. Yeah. So, so to do entrepreneurship in general, you got to be kind of fucking crazy, <laughs> right? You got to have, have a sense of like, almost like a numbness to the downside and risk, but you have to have a vision, right? So I think what's helped me a lot is just being a very technical and, and product focused person. I really thrive in that, that kind of vision space, right? Of like thinking about what we want, thinking about how we would go about building it. And then, you know, just driving, right? And pushing as hard as possible, basically go as hard and fast as possible into getting to that point as you can. I think it's a, it's an amount of tenacity. It's an amount of kind of, you know, just understanding your own limits. And I mean, it's been a tough ride, right? And, and in many, in many cases, you know, there's factors of burnout, right? And there's, sure. I don't think a lot of people recognize that burnout's a thing right. until they're like six months into burnout. <laughs> and then it's a thing, <laughs> like a big thing, but been there, you know, obviously overcame that, but like, it's, it's a challenge. It's actually a strain on, you know, everything from your relationships to your own health, right, and everything. True. 100%. People celebrate entrepreneurship, but it is hard and it has ruined a lot of people along the way. For sure. And so I put out all the bad stuff first, right? So right. <laughs> that's that's the difficult. But honestly, if you love what you do, right, and at the end of the day, you really kind of master your own kind of understanding, kind of your own, like, passion, and you know what you can or cannot do, I think... Anybody can be successful doing it. Cool. Okay. So what's next for Deep Intent Market Match? Where are you going with this now? Yeah. So right now we're in the scale mode. It's about getting the word out to both advertisers and publishers that we're open for business, that we have this technology. It performs extremely well. And it's about growing out these opportunities to really influence patient outcomes. Mm -hmm. Right. So to do that, you know, we need to build this ecosystem. So whether it's you know adding more publishers, adding more clients, adding more data partners, like think about getting creative with the different sorts of data that we have access to. Again, keeping it very privacy safe and, and you know compliant with all the new legislation that's coming out. Right, that's the goal. Yeah. Right. So there's new things coming on the horizon. Like for example, you know we're looking at physicians now and like scheduling data. Right. Can we help instead of marketing to a physician to their past behaviors? Can we anticipate the types of patients that they're going to see in the future? And then kind of warm them up to say, hey, these are the available treatments for a patient with MS. Wow. Right. Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, those are the kind of problems that we're thinking about. And scale, like when do you know that you have big enough scale or are you always going to be looking for more and more scale? Yeah. I mean, and if you think about the U.S. healthcare system, right, I mean, it's like a, it's like a three and a half trillion dollar marketplace, right? So it's huge. It's like 20 percent of our GDP. 
I mean, this is a big area for a company of I think my it's size. Our single, <laughs> single biggest business category. Yeah, okay. yeah, for sure. So, I mean, this is a big sandbox to play in. That said, I do feel passionate that once we've mastered and cracked, you know, this market, we'll be able to replicate a lot of what we do in other markets. So, like Europe, right? And each each market has their own, obviously, their own privacy, their own regulations, right? Especially around pharmaceutical advertising. Right. So it's about understanding those markets, and we really need to have offices, right? We need to have boots on ground to understand the nuances and the legalities, right? And the different sorts of factors that go into a successful like marketing campaign for our clients. What's next for you? I'm getting married at the end of the year. So that's, that's the big, that's a big news for me, but that, <laughs> yeah, that will but, change things. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, sure. Well, um, I think as I mentioned, you know, we're really focused on this vision of driving better patient outcomes. It affects everybody. Everybody wants to live a healthier, longer life. Sure. Right? With the data that we have today, like I think that that's, you know, there's a ton of opportunity and how do you unlock that? And maybe if, again, if maybe I wouldn't even be directly in this space, maybe in political side, right? Like trying to advocate for this. So there's a lot of different facets. And because it's such a huge part of our economy, everybody from, you know, politicians to you know, store owners to, you know, health tech, actual tech people, right? Everybody has a role to play and how they could shape and influence this emergence of, of new solutions. Thanks, Chris. That was fun. Thank you for listening to this edition of Project Next. I'm Brian Martin. Until next time, 